0: You are listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. God is good, and all the time. Good morning. Welcome to the Bridge Metro West, where everything goes according to plan. I want to welcome our online audience. Is that my is that my online audience over there? Yeah. okay, Awesome. And welcome to our in-house Bridge family. That was very pirate esque. I was like, hey, I miss our Holy Spirit pirate guy. Arr. The a guy that used to come here, he still comes periodically, but you know, you ask him how he's doing, he'd be like, Arr! he wasn't even trying to do that, it's just how he is. So uh, guys, we're so honored that you would come and spend this time with us this morning, and uh, it's really good to be in this house, in this place, among family, and uh, I was away last weekend, I went down to Dallas, just in time to bring Winter with me. I mean, I got the warnings before I got there. People were already complaining about me before I got there because they're like, oh, you're bringing the cold. It's literally the coldest weather they've experienced like since, was it was ever? I don't know. I, I wasn't really in tune with the Texan records, but it, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was like eight degrees, six degrees, and you guys were like at 27, 30 here. Yeah, balmy. You guys were ready to plant palm trees and... They were, uh, yeah, so, uh, but we had a great weekend. I was down with uh, Streams Ministries, John Thomas, and family, and uh, we did some filming. We filmed three episodes of of something that they do, some show. I don't know. I forget the name of it, but it'll be available somewhere, and uh, we'll let you know probably, but maybe not, because I'll forget, but uh, it was good. We had some really great conversations, and John cried a lot, which was great, so you know the Holy Spirit was there when John cries, and um and then we did uh, we did something something else. I, I'm really descriptive today. We I spoke to people, and uh, it was fun. So and then it, it then we had to cancel church Sunday. I was going to speak at a church Sunday morning, and uh, that was canceled because um, there was like an inch of snow, and people can't drive in that. So uh, and it just went downhill from there. <laughs> so I was stuck there for a couple extra days because um, you know my flight was canceled, and it uh, was fine. So I, it was no, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't striving to, not that I didn't want to get home. Um, I did, but they have nice blackout curtains. I want those blackout curtains they have in their house because you can sleep in and uh, it was quiet. And uh, so I did get a little bit of sleep. That was nice. Are you sure it wasn't the electricity off? No, no, you actually went That's true. I, the power was out when I woke up in the morning. And so then the house got real cold, but they were only out, for, out of power for like three hours. But then the morning after I flew out, they didn't have water service. So uh, John texted me and said, oh, it's a good thing you got out because there's no water. Um, But they did get it bad. I don't don't even know what's happening anymore. I've left the land, and so I'm back into the land of milk and honey. The land of the free, Massachusetts. Turn your Bibles to John 17 before I go way off the rails. One of my favorite passages of Scripture... Yeah, such a great crew. Oh, Streams Academy. Yeah, that's what I was doing down there on Saturday night. Great crew. Uh, there were still quite a few people that came out Saturday night, even in uh, somewhat adverse weather conditions, and then a whole lot more people online. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really, really great. Uh, and then Saturday night, they once a month, Saturday night, they do a uh, an open meeting, and that was really fun. Um and so God is, uh, God is doing some amazing, amazing things down there. And Streams is really in a rebound, I would say. I, I, I don't even want to call it a rebound. I think it's, it's just something new. Uh, it's something fresh and something new. We honor the heritage and we love John Paul Jackson. He planted this church and we, we live on the shoulders of what was sown into the foundation. Uh, but we are, we are striving to be what God wants us to be today. Um, and we remember what God has done in the past, but we don't rally around a a monument. We want to stay inside the voice as the king and the kingdom move. Amen? And I really feel like that's what Streams is doing at this point. So, uh, yeah. So what I love about John 17, there's so many things I love about John 17, but one of the themes is uh, regarding the name of God. Jesus said, I kept them in your name. And then he asks the Father, would you keep them in your name? There's something about the name of God that reveals his nature. There's something about the name of God that is synonymous with his nature. It's unlike any other name. Names on earth carry a reputation, but the name of God inherently has power, just in the nature of the name. There were people in the New Testament, in the first church, uh, first century church, that were using the name of Jesus to cast out demons. They didn't even know him. And the disciples were mad because they thought they were part of the in crowd. Like they're, they're part of the club and they got people that aren't part of the club that are doing this stuff. And they're like, who cares wh- wh- how they're doing as long as gospel gospel's being preached. Don't you worry about what they're doing. You worry about what you're doing. It's because there's power in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we're so worried about what other people are doing and God is really concerned about you being concerned about what you're doing. See, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. So people will try to trap you in debates, for example. You know, they'll try to trap you and say, you know, well, what about, what about that person in the village in some remote part of Africa that has never heard the gospel? What happens to them when they die? I don't answer that question because it's not my business. Jesus didn't command us to figure out who's saved and who's not saved. He commanded us to make disciples of every tribe and tongue and nation. And so I'm in the business of making disciples. The authority of salvation is unto him alone. And so I'm not worried about drawing the metric of what salvation is or isn't. I'm worried about making disciples and discipling people into maturity. That is where my authority ends and his authority is over my authority. And so I leave the judgment for salvation in his hand. I don't get caught up in foolish and stupid arguments. I just stick to what I know. Amen? All right, so do the same. Theological Dictionary of New Testament. As you know, if you've been around, you know this is one of my favorite resources. Even I honestly don't understand half of it, but the half I do is very helpful. And uh, I, I was studying uh, about the name uh, recently. And, you know, I don't know how many people see numbers. Like, you just see patterns in numbers. You know, some of us—I used to a lot. But my wife is seeing all the numbers. And, uh, like, as a matter of fact, when I looked up at the screen, just at that in the in the back, it said 4444. Four, four, four. Four, 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 four fours, not five, four, fours. So, uh, but interestingly enough, as I, I was reading about uh, the name and I looked at the, the reference point of where I was at, I was in volume one of the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament on page 111. So the number I was seeing was 1111. And my wife's been seeing 1111 constantly for, I don't know how long you've been seeing 1111. The last couple years has been constant. How many other people have been seeing 1111 all the time, right? right? So, um, well, yeah, I've been seeing every number too, just not in patterns. No, I get it. I know what you're saying. I'm just being annoying. That's why she's like, I see every number. So do I. So this, this line came out of the study of his name. It says, his name is his person, which is holy in itself and is to be, to be revealed in its holiness, I love this because we have this theological argument now that the name of Jesus, the name of God is synonymous with his nature, with his power. There's something about the name of God that when you speak it, it begins to transform an atmosphere. And I just happen to believe that even if people that don't know his name, say his name, and they say his name consistently, like there's something about it that begins to transform atmospheres. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's why, you know, we have... There's just a... I don't want to go there. Let's just stick to John 17. His name has power. Somebody say power. Power. All right, we agree on that. I'm going to start in verse 13. We left off at verse 12. We are now on February 20th, even though I was away one week, and we are in verse 13 of John 17. We started this at the... What? Whatever the day is. It's February. (laughs) Third week of February. doesn't really matter. 21... Seven times three is 21, seven, seven, seven. Oh, the Spirit's here. Okay. I'm feeling a little. Right, so it's the 21st? That means it's 2121 because 21, it's the year 21. So it's 22121. 21. Oh, the Spirit's here. I just left streams, guys. I could do this all day. I'm seeing patterns everywhere. Don't make me bring out my shofar. Okay. They don't do I'm just. I'm just kidding. Don't don't bring out your shofar. Unless you're at home, you can shofar all you want. Verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Somebody say joy. Oh, I like the joy of the Lord. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Selah. Okay, we're moving on. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may themselves also be sanctified in the truth, which is what? The word. My sister got it. Which is what? Okay, we got it. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, the Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. One of my favorite verses in this whole chapter is verse 20, because he gives us a promise that is then passed down to us. He's praying for his disciples. you got to understand, initially he's praying for his disciples. But then he extends the promise down through the generations in verse 20 that says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, meaning his disciples that are there and present, but also those who believe in me through their word. How many people believe in him through their word? That's you! In this verse, this this chapter just keeps getting better. He starts talking about the glory. Oh, we love the glory. And then, but it's for you. He's praying for his disciples, but it's for you too. I love it. It's so good. So, one of the interesting things about just going through a chapter, um, going through Scripture, is that, you know, not always do you get to craft some kind of message that is really hip and awesome. Um, But it is hip and awesome because it's the Word. So, you know, I struggled with that a little bit this week, but God is good. and, and, And as I was reading this, I pulled out kind of four themes just in this passage alone. Total joy, total freedom, total sanctification, and total unity. Now, in order to make that cool, I had to put the word total in front of all those three themes. So now I feel hip. That's important. The kingdom of God has metrics. I'm a metrics guy. I think everything has a measurement. When God moves there's evidence you don't have to guess what god is doing or what he's not doing and you know sometimes we are we lean so much on the unseen that we we just believe everything is unseen but the reality is when god manifests himself on the earth the unseen comes into the scene that is the whole the substance of faith calls things that are not as though they are and then the, that which is not becomes in the manifest reality of the present. That's what God did when he said, be light, and he spoke light into darkness. He was accessing the substance of faith. Why? Because he's teaching us how to walk. Even before first man and first woman were created, he was teaching us how to speak in faith. The spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. That means the spirit had to go where darkness was in order to speak something into it that was not present in the moment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the the picture of that at the very beginning. God went into the dark space and he is calling us still to go into the the dark place. The problem is that so much of the church is trying to get out of the dark place. And he asks somebody, hey, how are you doing? And, the, and they might say, oh, I'm in the wilderness. I'm just waiting to get out of the wilderness. Well, here's the thing. The wilderness is where the wild things are, and it's also the place where the voice calls out and says, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He doesn't say, prepare the, the way of the coming of the Lord in the oasis, which is where we all want to be. I love beaches and water, crystal blue water, and I love palm trees. You guys know I love palm trees. I love my palm trees. But sometimes he doesn't call you to the oasis. He calls you to be in the spaces that are dry, that are wild, that are unkempt, because he wants you to go into that place and prepare the way for the moving of his spirit. And we're so busy trying to get out of a circumstance because God gave us a prophetic word 20 years ago that I'm gonna be a prophet to the nations and we're waiting for some kind of charismatic magic trick to connect us to our destiny when God is saying, would you be present where you are and be my ambassador where you are and prove yourself faithful where you are so that I can promote you. Everybody wants to be promoted, but not everybody wants to be promotable. Many are called and few are chosen. So the kingdom has metrics. There's measurements. And one of the greatest measurements of the kingdom is found in Romans 14, 7. It says, uh, you know, from memory, the the kingdom is not a, a matter of what you eat or drink. We're still, I mean, religion is still trying to make it a matter of what you eat or drink. The kingdom is not a matter of what you eat or drink. It's very clear. Paul's very clear on this. He says that the kingdom is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Spirit. Somebody say joy. joy. Righteousness comes by the substance of faith. We are righteous by faith. Peace and joy come by the fruit of the Spirit. So once we are righteous by faith, then we allow Holy Spirit to begin to produce fruit in us, which begins with love, joy, and peace. The first foretaste of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. That is something that comes to you. And then there's characteristics that flow from you on the backside of love, joy, and peace. If you force yourself to be gentle or kind, but you haven't had a revelation of love, joy, and peace, you've simply entered into a process of behavior modification, but you haven't had the revelation of Jesus. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Amen? That's total joy. I, you know, I love those little blooper videos that sometimes come out. You see them on social media. And uh, there was this one... This church. It was a Christmas time thing, and uh, this pastor of a certain age was up there, and he was reading a a, a Christmassy passage of Scripture very soberly, very somberly, and the funny thing is that the passage was about joy. There was no joy in a dude's face. Like, there was no joy in that place. Like, you could hear a pin drop. I'm not even sure if anybody was in there, and then there was some guy in the background, I think he was on a little drum kit or something like that. And he tried to stand up and literally knocked down the entire set behind the guy. And if there was any joy in the man's face, there was like antimatter joy. It was like the opposite. It became a joy vacuum in that moment. And I loved it. I mean, I tried not, I didn't wanna make fun of anybody or and I, I didn't, but maybe, I don't, internally, I it was so great. I was like, man, the Holy Spirit was doing everything he could do to get a laugh out of that place. And they still weren't having it. Like I'm telling you, because I'm telling you that the metric of the kingdom is joy. Can you have joy while imprisoned? Can you have joy while enduring affliction? Can you have joy when your cubicle at your workplace is next to that person that not only smells bad, but they act bad? I don't know. When I tar- start thinking about smells, I just, there's all, yeah, I know, they're, my, they're already shaking their heads in the front row. They're like, don't go there. I just had an interesting smell in my first class seat flying home from Dallas as if I hadn't en- endured enough. Like Somebody ate something to just, you know, It's that, you know what I mean? It's always on flights. doesn't matter where you sit in the plane. It just, I'm telling you. Anyway, I'm moving on. Why? Because I have total freedom. God is not in the business of plucking you out of difficulty. God is in the business of being present in the midst of it. I know, I know we want to get out of our stuff. That's why some, you know, some people love rapture theology because we're just waiting. I'll fly away, oh glory. I mean, I like flying. But he's called us to be present in the midst of where we are to agree with the prayer of Jesus that says, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Right, I'm not going to get into eschatology right now, but... Jesus said, I don't, he says it right here in this prayer. He says, I don't want you to take him out of the world. But so many of us are still waiting to be taken out of the world. And Jesus says in John 17, I don't ask you to take him out of the world. They're in the world, but not of the world. That's you, that's me. Just like Jesus was in the world, but he was not of the world. When you say yes to him, you are transformed now. You are are given a new birth. That's why we, you know, you have this, this concept of born again Christians. Oh, those born agains. You know, people like Christians as long as they're not really transformed. If you're, all you're doing is filling out your census form, you're like, oh, I'm a Christian. I went to church once. People will like you as long as you're not transformed into the likeness of Jesus. But here's the other issue. The other issue is that we have not done a really good job as the Big C Church of showing the world who Jesus really is. And so I don't get upset. I don't get cantankerous when people start, you know, bashing the church or bashing Christianity because the reality is that the institution of Christianity has not done a really good job of showing the world who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Greater, man, uh, greater love has no man than this, than he, than he who would lay down his life for a friend. That's what Jesus did. So the metrics of the—bing— I can get an amen from that phone. That's verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Verse 13. These things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. That's what we're here doing. First Peter Two, verse sixteen says this: "Act as free men. Why? Because you are free. You got to understand that Peter's writing to a people that are in a, a variety of, of states of physical freedom. They're living under tyranny. Some are actually slaves." And what is Peter saying? He is saying that the condition that you are currently living in is subservient to the reality of the kingdom that is upon you. So act as though you are free. Why? Because in a dimension that is now, you are. When you say yes to Jesus freedom has come and so you can stand in a place in a position of power even if you are under tyrannical authority. Does that make sense? That is a message for yesterday, today and forever even in America. So let me read those four verses actually 2nd Peter 13 through 17. You can jot it down and then put it on a sticky note, paste it to your forehead, and leave it there for the next four years. 1 Peter, well, I don't know what I said. Did I say 2 Peter? 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. This is the New American Standard Version, which came from the throne itself. I just like it. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution wow really it's just me and Jesus I don't need no man it's just Jesus I just need Jesus I don't, I don't need the church I am the church okay I start to feel unholy when I say that so I'm going to back off that before I start yelling at people okay submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution see God uses people I think partly because it amuses himself because now we have to deal with people that he's using even if we don't like them. That's me. Whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God. What's the will of God? Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. For such is the will of God. That's verse 15. By doing, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Social media. Verse 16. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Universalism. But use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. Honor all people. Honor all people, church. Even if your guy didn't get in. Even if your guy did get in, but you didn't like the last guy. Honor all people. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Selah. Love the brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, that's just their culture. We're all family, guys, and girls. Gender non-specific people. Someone's going to clip that line now, and that's going to come back to bite me in five years. He said gender non specific. What is he saying? Fear God and honor the king. There is freedom in submission. There's freedom in submission. There's freedom and honor. When you honor every earthly institution, you are offering God a gift here that you can never offer him there. There is such power and such value in the kingdom in honor and how we honor that life is released. Freedom is introduced. And salvation is realized. It's his kindness that leads people to repentance. It's his goodness. And his kindness and his goodness is manifest in the way that we honor. So in these verses in John 17 that we read at the beginning, we see total joy, the fullness of joy. We see total freedom. Like, I don't see the freedom. Well, it's there. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. So you can be in a difficult situation still be guarded from the enemy, but it's where God has placed you to demonstrate his freedom for those who are bound. Because the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to proclaim freedom to the captive That's a messianic prophecy, but that is now extended to us because it's Christ in us who is the hope of glory on the earth. Amen. All right. No golf claps in the bridge, Metro West. Yeah, go ahead. Everybody's got to clap now. All right. I see somebody from Maine watching. I remember you guys. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Okay, total, where was I? Total something about joy, something about freedom. Okay, total sanctification. That's a really good theological term that we love to sometimes not talk about. Where does sanctification come from? According to this power, according to this word, it comes through the word. Where do we see that? right after he says they are not of the world even as I am not of the world then he says in verse 17 Sancti- t- <laughs> sanctify them in truth your word is truth what is the truth The wor- come on guys what is the <laughs> Eileen I don't know what i do without you Eileen so how do we get sanctified we get sanctified through the word. thank you There are warnings throughout Scripture. And sometimes, as the Big C Church, in our process of not showing people the proper face of Jesus, we focus on the warnings, but we ignore the promises. We'll prophesy and speak all the warnings out of the Old Testament, but then we'll say, oh, the the promises of the Old Testament were for the Hebrew people, not for us. Except that we're grafted in to a covenant, we're grafted in to a people. I literally had someone say to me, that, you know, you can't preach on that promise because it's not for you. And I said, yes it is because I'm grafted in. And so now the promises of that covenant extend to me, but scripture also clearly says that we are free from the law of sin and death. We are now grafted into the law of life. The measurement of this kingdom now is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so in all of these promises, or in all of these warnings, there is typically a promise that is somewhere in the midst of it or around it, because God issues a warning because He wants us to stay in the blessing. So, I mean, Deuteronomy 8:18 8, 8, 8, is great. You know, it says, He has given us the wisdom to build wealth, or the, the word wisdom and power there can be somewhat interchangeable. And so we, we love that verse, but we also have to recognize that that verse is in the midst of a warning. And so a lot of the church will focus on the warning and maybe our stream focuses on the the promise. The reality is that what God is saying is you have the capacity to forget that I'm the one who gives you the wisdom to build wealth. And so in, in a sense, he's even speaking to the people who are prospering, who think that they're doing it under their own power. And he's saying, wait, I'm the one who gave you that capacity. And so don't you forget it, because if you forget it, then that prosperity that was meant to be a blessing will become your folly, because you will be leaning on the fruit of prosperity instead of the root that gave it to you. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 gives you a little bit of warning, but the warning is because of the promise, and I want to talk about this just a little bit. And some people might get all cantankerous about it. And that's fine. I can, I can deal with that. I, I relate to that. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, verse 9, it says, Or do you, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. here's verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus in in, in the Spirit of our God. Okay, here's the deal, guys. I'm not going to highlight any one thing. Because a lot of us will read this passage and we will think it's about behaviors. And it's not. There's, there's really not a lot in scripture that is really about behavior. It's about identity. Sanctification is about identity. Jesus sanctified himself to establish his identity on earth so that we would be established in his identity on earth as it is in heaven sanctification is about identity. It's not about behavior modification. It's about being set apart. Holiness and sanctification is what God does for you, to you, when you stand before the skin of his face. That's that whole passage in Genesis where God tells Abraham, or Abram, walk before me and be blameless. What is he saying? Again, I've said it a hundred times at least. He's saying, would you walk toward the skin of my face and my nature will overtake your nature and then you will be blameless not because of who you are but because of who you am who who you am who I am because you can't stand here and be the same if you want to be the same as you were when you come to God you will have to walk away from him let me be really transparent there was a period in my life where I was living for myself. And it's a slow process. And a lot of times when you begin to stray from God, it's, it's rooted in disappointment and unmet expectations. Something happens in your life that you, you, know, you didn't expect or something didn't go the way that you thought it would go. And when you're young, I mean, those things can throw you off into an emotional spiral like nothing other. You know, when I was young, my ups and my downs were drastic. I mean, I would be on the mountaintop one day and I would be down in the depths the next day. And even, I remember thinking through, you know, I I don't want to give, I will take the mountains even if it means the next day I'm going to be in the valley. I mean, I'm relatively steady now, but I mean, I'm telling you, I was a nutcase when I was in my 20s. I mean, I'm still a little bit nutty, but it's more, more tactical now. I mean, it's just fun. It's not even tactical, I just... My poor son, I mean, I've threatened his life. Like he, he can't tell you what happens at home. It's like Vegas, what happens in the Gidry household stays in the Gidry household. But as I was slowly living out my, my disappointments, you know, somebody handed me a bottle of vodka when I was in college. And I really never did anything. I I drank, I I tried to be bad in in high school. Like, I drank a half a beer. Like, I started drinking the beer in front of a girl who was, like, two years older than me, and I choked on it. Like, and, like, it kind of came out. I think some came out my nose. Like, and if I was cool, the one moment, I was supremely uncool the next. I mean, it it just didn't work out for me. Being bad, like, I tried. I mean, I I was, you know, I had ways of being bad, but I really wasn't as bad as I wanted to be. In college, you know, someone handed me a bottle of vodka and I was just amazed by this thing. This this, you know, it, it just sort of melted away some issues in my life. And, and then I started, you know, engaging in, in certain things with my girlfriend, right? I'm just being real honest here, guys. But let me tell you, there was a moment of realization that came in the midst of my stuff. When I, you know, I hadn't been to church. I, you know, I think I I had to go to chapel because I was in a Christian college. But see, that's the thing with Christian colleges. Like you could do whatever you want, like the night before, and you're still in chapel the next day. It can be the breeding ground of lukewarmness in a way that's like no other. So just because you think you're sending your kid to Christian college doesn't mean that they're free from... The temptations of the world. It's the problem is you can have the temptations of the world in the midst of a religious structure. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying let's be real about what's happening. So there was a a moment in time that I realized, even I was like 19 years old, and I realized that I wasn't I wasn't merely a man. I wasn't a man. I was still a boy. I mean, we like to think of ourselves as men at that age, but it's not. You're not. Not in this day and age. I wasn't merely a person who had fornicated, but I had become a fornicator. I wasn't merely a person who had gotten drunk, but I had become a drunkard. I had taken on the identity of the the behaviors that I was engaging in, which is different than slipping, and engaging in a behavior. Because if this list in in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, what was it, 6? If this list in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is about behaviors, then, then the religion that we are following is about behavior modification. But we know it's not about behavior modification. It's about where we choose to stand and then allowing the Holy Spirit to work on our behaviors and to produce, not by uh, cutting off behaviors, but by producing a better fruit. And in that, we do engage in disciplines that look like this. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to the mind of Christ. That is the extent of our behavior modification. If we focus on the fruit of the Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce a better way in us while taking our thoughts and saying each thought is this, is this obedient to the mind of Christ? If not, I'm going to grab that thing, before it runs away with me, pull it back, put it at the feet of the cross, and I'm going to walk on through into a new day and a new identity because I'm a new creature. That's what Paul is saying at the end of that passage. And he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the name uh, and in the spirit of our God. Sanctification is about identity. Does that make sense? That's important, guys. And that brings us to total unity. How does that work? This is what I mean when I say that you can take your identity to the cross, but you can't take it through. You can come as you are, but you can't leave the same. See, if, if this microphone is the cross of Jesus and I am brought to the cross, I am at the point of decision. I am in my stuff. I am in my muck. I am in my mire. I am valuing the behaviors that I am engaging in more than I am valuing transformation. But I'm at the point of decision. I'm looking upon Jesus. I'm even having an experience in the presence of Jesus. I might be getting goosebumps right now. I might be feeling the anointing that is upon the King. But I have to make a decision. Am I going to pass through the cross? And when I make the decision to pass through the other side on the cross, then what I am saying is, I am going to allow him to make me a new creation. I am a new creature now in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, I am new, because that's what he said. The reality is, if I want to carry my nature and my character and what I value in the now to the other side of the cross, you can't do that. So you can come to the cross, but if you want to be the same as you were yesterday, then you got to walk on back the other way because you can't get to the other side and be who you were anymore. There's no other name, there's no other characteristic that comes in front of the name Jesus. When you are Christian, when you come into Christ, you are a new creature. You are a new creation. And he says, I make all things new. The problem is a lot of people come to this space and because they they get the goosebumps and they get a measure of peace they think it's endorsement on their life it's not endorsement, it's an invitation Jesus saying would you walk through the sacrifice that I made for you would you come to the other side I know it's the land of unknown, I know You don't know what it's gonna be like on the other side because you've grown so accustomed to who you are. But let me tell you, his blood speaks a better word. And in this transformation that takes place, we are invited to step into the sacred space of his name. And his name is not static his name is dynamic it's on the move this is what Jesus said when he said I I only I can do nothing of myself I can only do what I see the Father doing why because he's teaching us how to walk that's the way the God had, has always operated even from the beginning the Lord said to my Lord let us create man in our image we're always operating in unity Psalm 133 1, it's the place where blessing is commanded. When we are in unity, that is to say that when we all choose to stand and to walk, to move, and dwell in the sacred space of the name, Jesus, Yeshua, the anointed one, we literally, by definition, are in unity. Not because we agree upon intellectual ideas, but because our eyes are fixed on the one who saved us. Jesus is perfect theology. When our eyes are fixed on him, we, by definition, become unified in purpose. It doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. We may have disagreements. Clearly, we have disagreements. We've been having theological dis- disagreements since before the cross, even. I mean, the, 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 the rabbinic scholars of uh, days gone by, I mean, they were arguing with, the, with each other about the meaning of Scripture from day one. Why? Because we ate of the knowledge, we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we've been arguing about good and evil ever since. And that's okay. The issue is, are we going to love each other on the other side of our disagreement? Or are we so addicted to being right that we will sacrifice a relationship in the name of being right? Sometimes we just got to close our mouth. Because being in his name is more important. Psalm 133 1 secures that concept that God gives warnings because there is a space where blessing is commanded. And the warning is there to keep us within the boundaries of blessing. I was watching uh, Kelly and Owen this morning during worship, you know, and he, you know, this has now become a less familiar environment for him. And he used to be here all the time, but, you know, with situations as they are, this is not, you know, his normal environment. And so worship's going on and there's all kinds of people, strange people going around and he's having a good time and he's wanting to get away from her and she's holding onto the back of his shirt and he's kinda like, I wanna go, I wanna go, I wanna go. And she looked at me and I said, let's see what he does. So she let go and suddenly he has freedom. And what does he do? He goes about five feet and then he realizes I'm outside the sacred space of mommy. (laughs) And so I'm gonna act cool, I'm gonna act like I'm sovereign over my actions, and I'm gonna smile, but I'm gonna turn around and run back into my mother's arms. That's what God is saying in Romans 2-1 when he says his kindness leads us to repentance. He's saying that my kindness, my goodness, I'm banking on my goodness so much that I believe that if you experience it, you will turn from the direction that you're going and you'll turn to face me because you know that there's blessing, there's safety, there's love, and there's security inside the sacred space of my name and my presence. And that's where unity commands a blessing. It's not me and Jesus, it's we and Jesus. I know you don't wanna hear that. I know you've been hurt by the church. And I I recognize, I was watching a video yesterday. I've seen it before, but man, this this pastor was like browbeating his people so bad. Like, I don't get that. I mean, I get it a little bit, but I mean, I wouldn't do that so much, not without a smile on my face anyway. Because I know me. I know my stuff. I know what it means to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. And so we have negative past experiences that cause us to break relationship and we utilize the fruit of these negative past experiences to build a new doctrine and theology that is outside the context of the word. The word says, honor every earthly institution. And wounded Christians who have now taken on an independent spirit will say things like, I'm the church, I don't need to go to church. It's me and Jesus. There's never you and Jesus. It's always been we. We lay down the power of me. Yeah, there's a certain level of power in me, but there's a greater glory in the we. We are a body. Jesus is still at the head. The church is not dying, the church is not suffering in any greater measure than it has in history. But what we are seeing is we're seeing people saved on the earth in greater rates than we have ever seen in history before. This is documented but we would rather read a blog of some cantankerous wounded Christian than we would actually lean into the facts of what are happening today because it's easier for us to be told what is happening than it is to find out what's happening. Fake news. The name of Jesus contains the nature of Jesus. The cross of Jesus introduced the power of transformation. The blood of Jesus offers the power of breakthrough. The throne of the king offers the authority to follow through, through, and the word of Jesus makes all things new. Let's stand together. I want to crash close this thing. I've said some hard things for culture where it is today. I'm not shying away from the word, but I'm also not shying away from the recognition of what we've done with the word. We've taken the word and we've created it into a bat that we beat people with. Instead of understanding that the warnings are there to direct us to a promise, and so we lead with the warning, but we cast aside the promise. We, we don't want to trust that Romans 2.1 is good, that, or that Romans 2.1 is true, that his kindness will actually lead people to repentance. And so we want to utilize fear as the instrument to draw people to Jesus when Jesus says, my goodness will draw people to me. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But we've been using doctrine and theology as sticks that we whack people with for 2,000 years. We break off another branch off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we fashion it into a weapon. We have theological street brawls. We get caught up in so much of the intellectualism of the academic pursuit of a document instead of the word, which is spirit and life. His blood speaks a better word. Revelation 21, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold I am making all things new. And he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost he who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son that is the promise that he gives to you today and don't worry ladies if I got to be a bride you can be a son it's okay we're all gonna make it guys we really believe this stuff And I don't believe this stuff in a way that makes me feel like I'm better because of some system of behavior modification that I've engaged in. I am only who I am because I've turned to face the one who loves me. And there's something about his love and his nature that has overtaken mine. So the identity that I lived in in a former life became subservient to the identity that I have in Christ. And the old passed away. The new has come. And so the fruit of the Spirit is now what is being produced in me. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. That's how this thing works. If you're here and you're watching and you don't know this Jesus, I want to invite you into the blessing and the promise. I want to invite you into a cycle of discipleship, a cycle of what Paul also writes to the church of Corinth. And he says, we are being transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory. And that cycle does not end. It's glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen. And you don't even have to understand that. you just got to start with a yes. you just got to turn and face him and say, you know, I just want to turn from my way. I want to turn toward yours. I don't know what all that means for my life. I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, but I don't want to just stand in front of the cross. I want to walk through it. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So if you're watching and you want to say yes to this Jesus, I want to introduce you right now. We're going to say a prayer together. And it's not really about the prayer. This is just a guidepost, but it's an introduction into relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so pray this prayer after me right now. God, I want to know you. And I accept your gift of life to me. I accept Jesus' death and his resurrection from death that reversed the curse of sin and death in my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my way and I turn towards your way. I want to follow you, God, the rest of my life. Would you reveal your love to me now? Would you connect me with my identity and my destiny through this gift of life? Thank you for hearing me. And thank you for honoring my request. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for the power of the cross, Lord. I ask for each one now that has prayed that prayer, God, that you would release a fresh baptism of your fire and a fresh baptism of your love everywhere within the sound of my voice, whether it is heard live in this moment or in the days and the weeks and the months to come, God, a fresh encounter with Jesus, a fresh baptism of your fire and your love, God, Lord, would you infuse in us in this moment a new boldness, a new boldness, a new new confidence to come boldly before your throne of grace, but also to step out of this place of life and living that we are in and step into a new and living way, God, proclaiming your goodness, speaking of your love, God. Lord, we don't have to have everything theologically correct before we speak of the testimony of what you have done for us. So today begins a new day. We leave this place, we leave this space as ambassadors for Jesus you are making your appeal through us now in this moment and you are moving with power you are moving with anointing and you are moving with the demonstration of your nature even from day one from our in our walk with you it's a new day it's a new day your mercies are new every morning your grace is sufficient and your love endures forever thank you Lord thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.